Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. One of our favourite parts of Open House, of course, we continue our important series of conversations tonight with our human condition guru, clinical psychologist Lynn Worsley, on addictions. Tonight, one very much about the times in which we live, a computer and internet Addiction. You might be surprised how widespread and common this is. Lynn, welcome again. Hi, Lee. Lynn was just saying as she was preparing this on a sunny Sunday morning <laughs> when there's a beautiful day outside and yes, she's stuck on the computer. In a, in a dark study. For which we're grateful. <laughs> now, this is not going to be an anti-internet rant, is it? Oh, no, 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 no. Now, look, we all enjoy the benefits of the internet. And for many of us, it's also an indispensable tool for work and education and communication. But um, you've got to remember, too, that whilst time spent on the internet can be hugely productive, for some people, compulsive internet use can interfere with their daily life and their work and their relationships. So when you feel more comfortable with your online friends than your real ones, or you can't stop yourself from playing games or gambling or compulsive surfing, even when it has negative consequences in your life, then you may be using the internet, internet a little bit too much. Yes. So you've got to look for the signs perhaps the symptoms of internet addiction, which we'll get to. How do you define what's healthy and unhealthy in just a tick? So what is an internet or computer addiction? How would you define that? Right. Well, internet addiction is sort of known as or a computer addiction, addiction or online addiction, um, covers a variety of impulse control problems. Um, they call it IAD, Internet Addiction Disorder. But uh, just remember this disorder is not really listed in the DSM-4 or 5, which um, lists all the diagnostic statistical problems. Because it's relatively new, yes. But it's not necessarily there, but it's on the way. And remember, too, that we've only got studies from the 1990s um, about social networking, and that really wasn't up and running by then. So um, what we really know is that it's an addiction to being able to not to not get away from the computer. Okay. Can you just define for us an impulse control problem? What is that? Uh, an impulse control... Well, it's basically when you have an impulse to do something and you have a compulsion that you have to follow through. So you can't stop it. Can't resist it. No, yeah. you can't resist it. Okay. So what are the, some of the problems that emerge based on the research that is available? There's a bit relating to our life online yes like we can have a cyber sex addiction so compulsive use of internet pornography and that's what we did last we talked about last week um adult chat rooms or adult fantasy role play sites they impact negatively on real life intimate relationships is what we talked about as well you can have people with cyber relationship addiction so these are people who are addicted to the social networking or chat room and messaging to the point that they're Virtual online friends become much more important than their real-life relationships. Yes. Um, you can have net compulsions, such as compulsive online gambling or gambling, just generally um, stock trading, or compulsive use of online auction sites, such as eBay. And resulting in financial <laughs> and job-related problem, problems. Um, you can have information overload, so the compulsive web surfing or database surfing. Um, leading to lower work productivity and less social interaction with family and friends. And that's actually quite interesting when you see people who are who researching, um, researchers, and instead of writing, they keep finding more things to research. It's a bit of a procrastinator. 
That's interesting. It's yeah. coming from someone who knows that sort of problem. Um, it's true confession. <laughs> true confession, not. Um, and just a computer addiction, obsessive playing of, of offline computer games. I'll confess to that one. Yeah. Well, about eight years ago, I joined an online World War Two combat fighter squadron. Ooh. And if you think that's daggy, most of uh, the members of my squadron were Qantas pilots. So it's very serious fl- <laughs> it flying and fun. And um, many, many hours were spent but, getting that right. But even solitaire. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, of can course. set it all up yep. in terms of a, an obsessive computer program. Yeah. So we've dealt with a couple of those over the uh, last few weeks and well worth catching on our podcast page of our Open House community website if you missed them. So what is the difference between a healthy versus an unhealthy internet use? Okay, the, the internet provides a constant, ever-changing source of information and entertainment and it can be accessed from most smartphones as well as any tablets yes. or laptops and computers. Email, blogs, social networks, message boards, they both allow for public and anonymous communication about any topic. But how much is too much? Yeah. Well, each person's internet use is different. You might need to use the internet extensively for your work, but you might also rely heavily on social networking sites to keep in touch with faraway family and friends. But spending a lot of time online only becomes a problem when it absorbs too much of your time or causing you to neglect your relationships or your work, your school or other important things in your life. Now, it's interesting, you know, Lee, I was at the station the other day, at Central Station, and I looked up and there was not one person who wasn't looking at their phone and you know they weren't just looking at their messages there was a lot of that sort of scrolling through and checking and that becomes a bit of a compulsion that you can't manage to keep your hands off your phone you can't just leave it alone this is why i say i think this applies to many more of us than we perhaps are prepared to admit um but but how do you then become addicted how do you cross that line well the main cause that I think um, that they've actually isolated in the, in the preliminary discussions on this sort of area, it's basically to relieve unpleasant and overwhelming feelings. Mm. So you get an immediate gratification. The moment you touch that um, screen, you get an immediate gratification. So they, people turn to the internet to manage those unpleasant feelings such as stress, loneliness, depression and anxiety. Um, you have a bad day and you're looking for a way to escape and quickly relieve the stress or self-soothe like we've been talking about, the internet can be easily accessible. So you can lose yourself online and you can make your feelings such as loneliness, stress, anxiety and depression, they just evaporate into thin air. Because you've entered another world in a way. Yep. Um, But as much comfort as the internet can provide, it's important to remember that there are healthier and much more effective ways to dealing with the problems. Um, and these include exercising, meditating, sensory relaxation, and just simple breathing exercises for anxiety. And turn off the computer. And turn off yeah. the computer. But for many, many people, an important aspect of overcoming internet and computer addiction is to find alternative ways to deal with difficult feelings. Okay. So even when your internet is back to healthy levels, the painful and unpleasant feelings that may have prompted you to engage in in internet or excessive internet use still there so it's worth spending some time about the different ways you intend to deal with your own anxieties rather than just looking at or logging on and perhaps seek some help either from friends or even professional help 
to um, to work out your way through that. Mm. What are the risk factors, do you think, for internet or computer addiction? Right. Well, if you are, you've got a greater risk of internet addiction if you have um, some signs of anxiety. Um, you might use the internet to distract yourself from your worries or you might have obsessive compulsive disorder, which I'd like to perhaps talk about in a number of weeks away from yes, we will. here. Yeah. Um, but if you have that, you tend to often look for things and you're a bit of a perfectionist, so you tend to, to gravitate to looking for more information and the internet is there for that. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you can get a little bit too obsessed with that. If you're depressed, the internet can be an escape from feelings of depression. But too much online can make things worse and cut you off. I'm sure that's true too. And contributes to the loneliness. Um, if you have any other addictions, like many internet addicts suffer from other, other addictions such as drugs and alcohol, gambling and sex addiction. Um, or you might lack so social support. So if you lack social support, you'll find that the internet um, starts becoming your only source of support or, or social network. Um, so these social networking sites become a, a real place of their, their only relationship source. And yet not a satisfactory relational no. substitute. Uh, it, it is a substitute. Yes, yeah. But not, not, not a deep substitute. No. Um, if you're an unhappy teenager, you might be wondering where to fit in and the internet could make you feel comfortable rather than with real-life friends. Okay. Or if you're less mobile or socially active than you were, for example, you might be coping with a new disability that limits your ability to drive or you might be parenting very young children and make it hard to leave the house or connect with old friends. But remember too, it can also be a very good source of connections. Yes. But if you're, if you're stressed, some people just use the internet to relieve their stress. And if that's the case, it might actually have a counterproductive effect. Yeah. Okay, so there's some of the signs and symptoms. How am I going to identify them in practice? What's life going to feel like, look like, if I'm showing some of those signs and symptoms of internet addiction? Now, look, they vary from from person to person. Um, there's no set hours a day or number of messages that indicate internet addiction. But here's some general warning signs. If you're losing track of time online and you frequently find yourself on the internet longer than you intend, uh, does a few minutes turn into a few hours and do you get irritated or cranky if your online time is interrupted? Okay. Yes, and I think that's probably a lot of us have that feeling, but yes. if it becomes almost like an aggressive interruption, you, don't, you just can't handle that. Yeah. Or if you're having trouble completing tasks at work or at home and you find... Laundry piling up and little food in the house for dinner because you've been busy online or perhaps you find yourself working late even more often because you can't complete your work and then staying even longer than everyone else has gone home so you can use the internet more freely. Yes. Um, having an isolation from family or friends. If your social life suffers because all you have is time to spend online or if you're neglecting your family and friends. If you feel like no one in your, is, is, no one is in your real life, even your spouse... They, they don't understand you, then it's a bit of an under, a bit of a, a, a warning sign. Yes. If you're feeling guilty or defensive about your internet use, or are you sick of your your spouse nagging you to get off the computer and spend time together? It might not be your nagging spouse <laughs> that's the problem. And do you hide your internet use or lie to your boss or your family oh, about the number of times that you've been on the computer? But the last one, if you have a sense of euphoria. 
while you're involved in internet activities. Not just for using sexual sites. No, no. But a real sense of euphoria and excitement about going and playing a game. I was going to say, especially with the games. Yes. Then that's something that you need to be very, very aware of because that means you've pushed up your dopamine levels. It means you've pushed up your endorphins in response to a computer. Yeah. There are some physical symptoms of internet addiction as well, some of which are probably not surprising, I suppose. Yes, yes. And some of us might have actually had some of these. Um, Carpal tunnel syndrome. Yes. Pain and numbness in your hands and wrists. Um, Dry eyes or strained vision. Back aches, neck aches, severe headaches, sleep disturbances. Um, An increased weight gain or increased weight loss because you're not eating properly. Okay. So... Each week we've been trying to tap into some real-life experiences with the particular addictions we've been covering with Lynn. For this addiction, have a listen to Winston Ross, whose brother had an internet addiction, and Winston was very much along for that ride. He's written about it in a post on the Daily Beast, which we'll be posting on our Open House Community Facebook page. Here's how it all played out with Winston's brother, Andrew. I would say it started back when he was... A teenager back in the 80s, for most people, the internet was unknown, but he was uh, using bulletin boards, you know, sending messages back and forth to people who kind of at the very, very early stages of of this whole process. And I, I think it just, he's always been online and plugged in since then. You were both exposed to computers early on in your lives. Why did he go the way he did towards an addiction? That's a good question. I think we both really struggled with what you could call internet addiction. I wrote in the article that that you came across that you know it's a time when I was pretty much addicted to playing a this card game on the internet. If you ask why one of us for one of us it it became more debilitating. That's just a a complicated question that has a lot to do with what some of his emotional issues have been over the years and, you know, his own uh, inability to be able to overcome that stuff. I mean, I think internet addiction is a, is a crutch, just like any addiction, and people fall into addictive behavior for any number of reasons, you know, and they come out of it for any number of reasons. Winston, you went and spent a day with Andrew. Take us through his daily routine in this addiction. He basically wakes up in his homeless camp and goes in and secures some food pretty much right away at, at a local soup kitchen. Or in some cases, he has food stamps, and so he can go get he can go buy food at a grocery store or something. And then pretty much the rest of his day, if he can, he will spend in front of a computer wherever it be, be at the at the university library. There was a period of time where he had a a laptop and you know a lot of times they'll take a microwave meal with him and some of these places have like cafeterias nearby where he'll he'll go and just spend the rest of the time doing what he does on the internet playing games or surfing news sites or or whatever he's just plugged in for the bulk of his waking hours you mentioned the article that you wrote for the daily beast and the subtitle was internet addiction sounds like a punchline but it ruined my brother's life it's just an attempt to ensure that people know this is real. People certainly don't take internet addiction as seriously as they should. Now, you know, my my brother, like a lot of people, is a complicated person, and, and there are a lot of things that, that have contributed to his sort of failure to 
succeed, like, you know, anxiety and depression. There's some underlying causes, you know, behind this addictive behavior. But I think there are a lot of people out there who don't treat it seriously as an addictive behavior and don't realize that even some social networking activity that we do, that we just kind of joke about being addicted to Facebook or being addicted to Twitter, a lot of us don't really think about how much time we really spend in a day doing those things and what impact that has on our productivity or our relationships and whether we could really go without those things for a week without some kind of suffering and and angst. That's what I really wanted to get across. Whether or not it's made you homeless uh, doesn't mean it's not something to think about whether you're in control of. So he ended up homeless. Was that a result of his addiction? It's complicated, but I think it certainly played a role. I think a lot of it, I think, was kind of video game addiction. And these, these escapes are like so many escapes that allow a person to kind of pull back from reality and be comforted by this false universe and then let their obligations and their responsibilities slide. And, you know, and they, they basically can exist in a world where there are no real responsibilities or, you know, repercussions for such a long time that back in the real world, things are everything's kind of falling apart. So definitely played a big role. How hard was it for you to watch Andrew go through this? It was very hard. When I was a kid, when Andrew first started going in and out of homelessness, I was very young. I was probably 14. I was like 13 when he dropped out of high school. And then so it was the next few years when he really just kind of devolved into getting an occasional job here or there and having an apartment for a while, and then, but then eventually winding up basically homeless or couch surfing or whatever. It had a huge effect on me. I mean, he's my only brother, and not only was it just really heartbreaking to see him suffer and, and struggle like that, it was also it also left me with a lot of questions about what my own future would be like because I played video games when I was that age for hours and hours on end, and it was terrifying to think like, wow, you could actually wind up in real trouble if you get too sucked in. And so I think in some ways that his experience is why... I never fell all the way through that hole because I had an awareness of it. I had an awareness of how real it was and how, you know, you had to maintain a certain level of keeping your life together. I found it interesting that on a visit to an internet addiction recovery program to do your story, one of your friends smirked at you. Do you think that's a general reaction to the whole concept of internet addiction, that it's not that serious? It's one of those things that we joke about, like, oh, I'm addicted to chocolate or I'm addicted to cake or candy or whatever and it's and it's kind of like a lot of addiction i think a lot of addictive behavior is really sort of laughed off in that way and it's not funny i mean it's funny until it's not right i mean it's yeah. all these people who are walking around with their phones glued to their face like those people aren't doing that because they're gratified by it like they're doing it because they're addicted to it and whether it has a real detrimental impact on their life is a question for each individual person but like we are addicted to this and to the internet so many of us in ways that we have we just have no idea you know i mean try giving up your phone for a week try going a week without texting try going a week without hopping on facebook see how well you do that's winston ross it's a good uh, point isn't it Oh, yes. See how well you do. Got any reflections on that, Lynn? Well, it's interesting, too, uh, that he talked about his brother um, as having the addiction and he didn't. um, 
And, you know, look, this is where personality comes into play. And, yes. um, and also, you know, some people have uh, what, they, what they used to call a, an addictive personality type, which is actually a furphy. That's not really true. But uh, it, it also heightens that sometimes during a child's developing years um, that they will, it's almost like they have blinkers on when they're addicted to something. They become so compulsively addicted to something that yes. they don't sort of look around around them. And so become a de- to be, you know, really quite dependent on it. And this is where the resilience donut we talk about a lot because the resilience donut talks about having relationships in seven different areas of your life, three of which are quite significant. Now, someone with an internet addiction um, has may have some relationships in seven different areas of their life, but they may be very, very um, frail or, or not, not terribly um, deep yeah. relationships. Or strong. Yes. And so what tends to happen is you have someone with a bit of a tunnel vision. Yes. And um, my theory... <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, I'll my listen to your theories. Is that um, they guru. lose... Actually, it's not just my theory. I've talked to a few people about this. That they lose the ability to social scan. So an addiction to something like an internet addiction to social scan means what you do is you you might look around when you go down the street you look around you 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 pick up what people are looking like and you pick up where people are looking and you look at um, what they're wearing and you you move in step with them and uh, you know you learn how to look people in the eye and greet them and so on when you don't have that ability to social scan you just a tunnel vision you're just thinking about the only thing you've got in front of you and you don't know how to get in sync with other people. And you'd be in a level of discomfort, understandably. Well, you'd be probably not so much in discomfort. You'd be in just a world of your own. Yeah. And and addictions do that, that you're in a world of your own and that's all that matters is what's in front of you. And if you think about it in the developing years, if that's what what happens, the neurons that are to pick up what's happening around them aren't going to be as developed. So you're going to have these adults coming into later life where they're so addicted to something that's immediate, gratifying, right in front of them and tunneled, tunneled vision, they're not going to actually have the ability to uh, relate to others. can absolutely understand that. Yes. So if we have evidence of an internet addiction or we're on the way, how do we escape it or how do we claw, claw back a life from a life online? Well, it, if, you, if you notice that you have an internet addiction, you need to do something different. If you want to change it, just do something different. And one of the best things to do is um, use the internet as a means to then taking another step. So it might mean that you're using your social networking sites, but make sure you do meet up for coffee. So use the site to say, okay, look, I'll meet you up on Thursday. We're going to have coffee, blah, blah. Um, plan to not use it when you are with your friends. Don't sit in a coffee shop and start checking your phone and, and so on. Um, Don't mention the war. Plan, <laughs> plan to connect at a level where there is more face-to-face interaction. Yes. Um, and one way to use the internet socially is um, really to use it at the beginning of the relationship. And one of the things I think is very healthy about social network sites is that you get to catch up on people and what they're doing so that you don't have to spend the time meeting them face-to-face to to catch up with what they're doing. You actually can meet them face-to-face and get into a much deeper conversation. Trouble is it takes time. It takes time. (laughs) 
So you, so use it as a way of okay, I found out what you're doing, and now let's tell me, let's really tell me how yeah. you're going. And spending time doing that is a worthwhile thing to do. That's very right. Well, That's right. Um, so use it properly, um, and don't let it replace the deep and longer term relationships. Now, I think we have as Christians. Um, the need to see what it is that's occupying our minds. Yeah. If we're reaching for the phone to check emails, to play a game or check Facebook instead of sitting and meditating or listening to others, we might actually be missing things that are going on around us that God wants us to notice. Mm. Um, I, I myself have a, a little ritual in the mornings, um, and that is, Lynn, don't check your emails before you read the Bible, yeah. if you possibly can. Yep. I, I, t- I do not turn the computer on, and I failed this yesterday for a good reason, but I do not turn the computer on on Saturdays. Yes, well, that, that and actually having some boundaries around that yeah. is, is really, really help, helpful. Um, but if you're compromising your social scanning abilities just because you're checking your emails too frequently and you're scan you're looking at Facebook far too frequently, um, you need to actually stop and uh, and sometimes just go in a silent moment and just just listen around and see what's happening around you instead of looking at your internet all the time. Keep thinking. One of the brightest people I know and most helpful. <laughs> Thank you so much indeed for joining us, Lynn Worsley. Thanks, Lee. See you soon. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.